If you have your 1611 King James translation, please turn with us to the 30th division of the Psalms. In this 30th division, and before we go and we read this, it's, it's 12 short verses. I find myself, I don't know about you, but in my readings sometimes that as the Lord blesses me, there's times that I'm rejoicing going to Romans chapter 5 and reading about justification. You know, in the eternal courtroom of God, there's one thing. It's by the blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And justification by faith in the courtroom of my mind. You know, that, that, that blessing of that that I'm holding on to with everything I've got, that my hope's name is Jesus Christ. That faith that is a fruit of the Spirit that He's blessed us with as an heir of promise, a born-again child of God. There's times that we're reading about from God's will and the everlasting covenant of grace that we're reading different passages. But there's times in my life that I've been, that I go to the Psalms because I don't have the words to express maybe what I'm going through at that particular point, place, and time in my life. And how the psalmist has been blessed by Almighty God to pen those things my heart relates to. Sometimes it's in rejoicing, and sometimes it's when I am um, in a place of weeping in my life. Isn't life such a roller coaster, Right? You know, there's, there's the crest of the wave that we're on, but there's also the measurement of the trough down below that as that wave comes down. So we're going to have those highs and those lows in this life. Wouldn't it be nice that you're, you're a born-again child of God? You've been chosen before the foundation of the world, born again by his Holy Spirit. Jesus Christ is your Savior. He is your hope. And he did, you're grasping this, you're embracing this, and it's, you say that's the truth. And the reason why you say that's the truth is because you've been given a divine education by the Holy Spirit of God, and that's what told you that's the truth. That Jesus Christ did all the work for you at Calvary. Heaven is your home. There's not sin, Satan, nor self that's going to separate you from that. And you're embracing that with everything and that everything's going to be smooth sailing on the sailboat of Christian life into the harbor of heaven. <laughs> but it's not that way. <laughs> it's not that way. Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ tells us, Apostle Paul encourages Timothy about his survival kit that he is to have, which is God's word, that you're going to have these highs and lows in life. You are a born-again child of God. You have the Holy Spirit that dwells in you. We also have this old fleshly nature that we have to contend with in the here and now. I'm so thankful I'm not going to have to deal with Brother Hugh in heaven in immortal glory. I get tired of dealing with me sometimes. You ever get tired of dealing with you sometimes? But we're going to be in a glorified state. So as I read these Psalms, I read about these highs and lows and what a blessing it is that God gives us his word and we read 
the real accounts of David and the real accounts of Peter and the real accounts of the apostle Paul and the inspired writers by the Holy Spirit of God. And we read about the highs and lows in life. Why, if we were writing about ourselves, I'm sure that we would make it to where it was just, you know, just all butterflies and, you know, a nice spring meadow. There's never any troubles, you know, along the way. But there are. And David is going to go through this psalm, and it is these highs and lows of life. As a pastor, I've experienced before some things that there's all, let me tell you about your pastor and these other yoke brethren and your pastors that you have. It's only by God's grace that they're able to, number one, and it's a holy calling that they have of God, not a local call. It wasn't because he looks good in a suit. He does look good in a suit, <laughs> but he's also, he has a high calling of God. He's been called by God to preach the glorious gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And he has, as your under-shepherd, there are so many things, highs and lows, that he deals with. There are times when a man's going to be called to administer a wedding and have a funeral the very next in an hour to go to. I've experienced that before, and thank God for Primitive Baptist wives. <laughs> My wife telling me as we finish a funeral service and now it was the it was the opposite of a wedding and a funeral we had a funeral and then go into a wedding service and um you know trying to shift gears emotionally from something like that and my wife looking at me and she's going smile <laughs> you're at a you know and i'm trying to i'm working with what i got i don't have much i'm gonna be pretty one day though but all of these emotions, listen to this that David says. As he's blessed by the Holy Spirit of God to pen these. There are these highs and lows. There's this hurting and this healing. There's weeping and joy. There's prosperity and poverty. There's mourning and there's dancing and there's silence and there's singing here. I will extol thee, O Lord, for thou hast lifted me up and hast not made my foes to rejoice over me. O Lord my God, I cried unto thee, and thou hast healed me. O Lord, thou hast brought up my soul from the grave. Thou hast kept me alive, that I should not go down to the pit. Sing unto the Lord, O ye saints of his, and give thanks at the remembrance of his holiness. For his anger endureth but a moment, and his favor is life. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. And in my prosperity I said I shall never be moved. Lord, by thy favor thou hast made my mountain to stand strong. Thou didst hide thy face, and I was troubled. I cried to thee, O Lord, and unto the Lord I made supplication." What profit is there in my blood when I go down to the pit? Shall the dust praise thee? Shall it declare thy truth? Hear, O Lord, and have mercy upon me, Lord. Be thou my helper. Thou hast turned for me my mourning into dancing. Thou hast put off my sackcloth and girded me with gladness to the end that my glory may sing praise to thee and not be silent, O Lord my God. I will give thanks unto thee 
forever. I want you to see the common thing through here. Whether it's mourning or it's dancing. Whether it's prosperity or poverty. Whether it is the weeping or it is joy. There is a consistency that we're to be doing. And that's to be praising God. I believe that we can go to the scriptures and we can see an example of this. This may not be when David penned this psalm, but I believe that it could be. And I believe if the Lord wanted us to know exactly when David penned it, he'd have told us about it. But I want us to go to a place in scripture to where David has now been acknowledged by all of the people that he is the king. God's already proclaimed that he's the king. But now it's the place to where David is the king and all of the uh, people of the lands are acknowledging him. And the Ark of the Covenant, a holy piece of furniture, a piece of divine furniture has been missing for a long time from its rightful place. And David is excited about getting that Ark of the Covenant back and getting it back to the tabernacle service. I love that that y'all have on the bulletin board in there, the tabernacle service. I want a copy of that. That is wonderful. I enjoyed looking at it. I hadn't studied that enough. But that piece of divine furniture was not just something that looked nice in the tabernacle. It had a very special meaning about it. There were very special things that were within this Ark of the Covenant. And it gets stolen by the Philistines. And it's been stolen for so long that everybody's just like, eh, whatever happened to that? I don't know. Let's go to God's Word and let's read about this. It is, uh, we'll go to uh, 1 Samuel chapter 6. Let's go there. <clears throat> I'm sorry, 2 Samuel chapter 6. And let's read for a little bit about after David has a victory over the Philistines, King David is now sought to restore the true worship of God. It's been in a very, very sad state during Saul's monarchy. Do you know that that can happen if there's a leader that's not, that's a leader of a nation, leader of a country, that doesn't have his focus upon the Lord? You can see a downward spiral in worship. You can see a downward spiral in how people view religion and view God. You need to have about you, you're the saints of God. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. There needs to be, there needs to be sound coming from you, thanking God as he blesses our nation, praying for our president, praying for your local leaders, and lifting the banner of Jesus Christ up high. Let me tell you, you're not going to be very popular. We're not going to win any popularity contest. But our boldness that we have, you get it from the Holy Spirit of Almighty God. And there needs to be the right anger that comes from God's people. You can be angry and sin not. You can be. Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ got angry. But there was no sin about him. 
The only way you can be angry and not sin is is to be angry at sin itself. And then you let not the sun go down upon your wrath. You sit back and you go, that flies in the face of Almighty God. That is not right. People need to hear that. People, people need to hear that. You may hear it from your pastor. You may hear it from one another. But in your workplace, I'm not telling you to go get a milk crate and stand on it and start preaching in the break room. But you need to have an opinion about things. And you need to tell people, that flies in the face of my God. He's ordained what marriage is. And marriage is between a man and a woman. There are two genders, male and female. I'm not making any apologies. I'm not looking for enemies. But I tell people that flies in God's face. And where it needs to be. And it makes me angry, but I don't go set the town on fire. Be ye angry and sin not. And also remember that the Lord says, vengeance is mine. Brother Hugh, I'm not needing you to help me. Vengeance is mine. I'll repay, saith the Lord. He's going to take care of all those things. But we need to, when we say that we're going to lift the banner of Jesus Christ up, we lift it up. And we lift it up and the Lord blesses us with boldness too. Again, we go to 2 Samuel chapter 6. Again, David gathered together all the chosen men of Israel, 30,000. And David arose and went with all the people that were with him from Baal uh, of Judah to bring up from thence the ark of God, whose name is called by the name of the Lord of hosts that dwelleth between the cherubims. And they set the ark of the Lord upon a new cart and brought it out of the house of Abinadab, that was in Giba and Uzzah and Ahio, the sons of Abinadab, drave the new cart. And they brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was at Giba, accompanying the ark of the Lord. And Ahio went before the ark. And David and all the house of Israel played before the Lord on all manner of instruments made of fir wood, even on harps and on psalteries and on timbrels and on cornets and on cymbals. They are recovering the Ark of the Covenant. You see, the Philistines, you read about in 1 Samuel chapter 4, the Philistines captured the Ark of the Covenant. And they didn't want it for very long because they started having trouble with it. And they're like, man, find somebody else. Let's get rid of this. There was all sorts of things that happened. That'll be your homework to read. And... Here David is excited. It's been a, for 65 years at Abinadab's house. His sons are going to take it. And even the Philistines, you know, maybe they look back and they go, well, when the Philistines stole it, they put it on a cart. So let's put it on a cart and let's get it back to the tabernacle. Sounds good, doesn't it? Good intention. Sounds good. The only thing is we're not following the Lord's instructions. We're not following how the Lord has told them how you are to handle this ark. There is the Levitical order that's to carry it and they're to carry it on staves. Don't put it on a cart. I don't care if it's a brand new cart. We're brand new wooden tires. It doesn't matter. We're not following the instructions of the Lord. Isn't it amazing when we follow the instructions? Look, I can tell you from my experience, we're getting close to Christmas time and Becky and I are empty nesters. Very thankful I have Sister Becky and Sister Sydney with me, traveling with me. But let me tell you, 
Um, we worked as Santa's helpers, okay, around Christmas time. There was some stuff that Santa couldn't get, you know, all assembled, and Dad and Mom have to help Santa get some things, you know, put together. Okay? So, <clears throat> me being the man that I am, a lot of times, I just have the tools. I'm a man who needs instructions. <laughs> you know? And after your wife walks by the second time going, you still doing that, huh? Our wives. I didn't need her to come by and tell me that. That's a nice way of going. Why don't you get the instructions out and look at it? So as we get the instructions out to be Santa's good little helpers to try to get things put together for good children, we get those things and, you know, we sit back sometimes and with the instructions, if we would just spend time with those things, we'd save ourselves a lot of trouble. Do you know that we have the instructions from Almighty God and if we would pick them up and if we would read them, there would be a whole lot of less difficulty in our lives to read the things? Boy, when we freelance, when we do it our way. And so as they try to do it their way, everybody is excited. They're dancing in front of this cart and they get to the threshing floor. <laughs> they came to Nacon's threshing floor. Uzzah put forth his hand to the ark of God and took hold of it for the oxen shook it. They get to a place and the oxen stumble. The ark of the covenant is about to fall off the cart. Uzzah puts his hand up to steady it, dead as a hammer over with we shouldn't be surprised we shouldn't be mad we shouldn't be upset when we don't follow the instructions particularly when the lord says this is going to happen if you don't follow my commands and the anger of the lord was kindled against Uzzah, and god smote him there for his error and there he died by the ark of god and David was displeased because the Lord had made breach upon Uzzah, and he called the name of the place Perez Uzzah to this day. And David was afraid of the Lord that day and said, How shall the ark of the Lord come to me? Hang on a second. We were dancing and playing instruments just a few minutes ago. And now we've gone from that excitement to now to where we're mad and we're afraid. And now we're just going to fold our tent. We're just, going to, we're just going to stop everything. So David would not remove the ark of the Lord unto him into that city of David, but David carried it aside into the house of Obed-Edom, the Gideonite. And the ark of the Lord continued in the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite, excuse me, the Gittite, Three months, and the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all his household. Hang on a second. We moved the ark there. It's been there for three months, and now Obed-Edom, things are going well in his house. Maybe we need to rethink this. Maybe we need to rethink. Maybe we need to read the instruction book on how we need to move the ark of the Lord. That ark of the Lord represented the presence of God, the Shekinah glory of God. Let me tell you about in that ark of the Lord. There was the tables of the commands of God in there, the holy precepts of God. There, were, there was Aaron's rod that budded, God's, God's 
priestly order that's been established with them. There is the golden pot of manna there, the holy providence of God, his providential care. And let me tell you what else on that mercy seat. That is where the blood was sprinkled seven times as the cherubim's heads are turned down. That is pointing toward our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And he is the blood that makes the difference. That's what God sees. Instead of his transgressed laws, we stand before him justified. It was pointing toward the Messiah that's coming. That Ark of the Covenant was a holy piece of furniture that needed to be back in its rightful place. And David gets things together. Hang on, let's read the instruction book. Let's go back to numbers and let's read. Okay, let's get rid of the cart. Let's get staves. Let's get some Levites here to carry this. And it was told King David saying, the Lord have blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that pertaineth unto him because the ark of God. So David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom into the house of, and uh, into the city of David with gladness. And it was so that when they had bared the ark of the Lord had gone six paces, he sacrificed oxen and fatlings. And David danced before the Lord with all his might. We've gone three months ago. We were back with our head down. We were dancing. We were on top. We're back down. We're back on top again. He's dancing with all of his might. You primitive Baptists, let me tell you something. I've looked up that word in Hebrew, and you know what it means, danced means? Danced. You got it. <laughs> it's danced. That's exactly what he did. He danced and it was okay. All right. He wasn't line dancing. He wasn't doing the whip and the nay nay. He was dancing before Almighty God with all of his might because he was excited. Have you ever been before to where you've heard the preaching of the gospel or you have been blessed by Almighty God to hear a man's prayer or something go on in your life to where you felt like dancing? That you just felt like you were about to pop. That amen comes out of you the first time. Amen. And you go, that came out of me. That felt good. I'll let the preacher know I agree with that. That felt good that came out. Well, this is what David is doing here. David danced before the Lord with all of his might. And David was girded with the linen ephod. And so David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting and with the sound of a trumpet. Wow. Let's go to the 30th division of the Psalms again. And so we read here of David. And we don't know if David maybe had some sort of a sickness or something was happening with his health. But listen to this argument that he has with the Lord in this psalm. He says, I cried in the eighth verse. Before we go to verse one, we're going to go to the eighth verse. And I cried to thee, O Lord, and unto the Lord I made supplication. What profit is there in my blood when I go down to the pit? Shall my dust praise thee? Shall it declare thy truth? David has something that's going on with him to where he says to the Lord almost in an argumentative way, Lord, if, 
if I'm not healed of this, if I die, you're going to lose one of your worshipers. You're going to lose one of your worshipers if I die, Lord. Lord, what profit am I going to be if I'm dead? But even when we have an argument to where we maybe things like that come out of our mouths, you know what he comes out of his mouth? Lord, I need your mercy. <laughs> we may have some things happen to us in our lives. Maybe it's health that comes along your way. And you go, Lord, I'm trying to serve you and I'm trying to do this and that. And why am I getting sick and why is this happening to me? Why is this happening to my family? Why is this happening to my wife, my husband, me, whatever it is? Why, why, why? Let me tell you what to do first is to tell Satan, hush, get thee behind me. Because that's who's whispering that garbage to you. Okay? Remember that. You're going to come back to the place that David does where he says in, in uh, verse 10, Hear, O Lord, and have mercy upon me. Lord, be thou my helper. We may say at times, Lord, woe is me. Why is this happening to me? But I want to tell you, saint of God, what you do, you go right back to the well of mercy because thank God for his mercy that he's had upon us. David is feeling extremely low here with with lord if i die you're just gonna what good is it gonna do but he turns that argument right back that gets out of his mouth and he says lord i need thy mercy let us remember that and you remember in this life that when you hear this making you question why is this happening you want to know why it's happening to you because we're on a sin cursed earth okay this place is groaning and travailing. We're in a place, it's not going to get better and better. I was about, I got to tell you all this. Okay, I'm getting my hair cut the other day. All right, so I sit down. I just, it had been a long day. I just want to sit down and get my hair cut. Okay, we'll talk about football or whatever a little bit along the way. But, you know, I've even fell asleep while a fella's been cutting my hair before. <laughs> I'll tell you, don't take much. So I, got, I fell asleep with my teeth getting cleaned one time, okay? So it doesn't take much. I'm telling you the truth. I'm standing in the pulpit. It's happened before. So I'm just wanting to relax. Y'all get what I'm talking about. And the man goes, you won't believe, the man that cuts my hair goes, you won't believe the guy that I just cut his hair. He said that this earth is going to become heaven, that this place is getting better and better. Oh, man. <laughs> you just bought a sermon. So I told him, I said, let me tell you. That's not the truth. And he goes, I don't believe it is. I said, it's not the truth. I said, that's a lie that comes from a dirty devil. This place is, men are waxing worse and worse, and so is this place, and this is not going to be heaven. When the Lord gets through with this place, when the last heir of promise is born naturally into this world and is born again by his spirit, the Lord is going to fold this place up, and he's going to burn it up. And we're going to heaven, we're going to home, sweet home is where we're going. It's not going to be here. He goes, I didn't think so. And I said, you've gotten me all jacked up now. <laughs> this place is, this is not going to become heaven. This is our place that we have to where we enjoy the kingdom of heaven. In the here and now, the little morsel that we get, like on a Monday night at Flint Primitive Baptist Church, if the Lord be with us. 
But this isn't heaven. But boy, we get taste of it. So anyway, back to the message. Listen to what he says in verse 1. I will extol thee, O Lord, for thou hast lifted me up, and thou hast made my foes to rejoice over me. O Lord my God, I cry unto thee, and thou hast healed me. You healed me. Lord, I extol thee. Extol means lift up. Lord, you've lifted me up, and Lord, I'm lifting you up in praise to you. That's what we need to be about. And when you've been healed, you need to let people know you've been healed. Let me tell you a little story about me. This time last year, trying to figure out prostate cancer. I'm healed. God gets all the praise, honor, and the glory. Has it been a journey? Yeah, it's been a journey. But you know what? The Lord's been with me the whole way through there. I've met in, Cancer has been a blessing to me because I've met incredible people along the way. And I wasn't done with that. Ended up with a little old heart attack. My wife, bless her heart, she's ready to trade me in. But I hate to tell her, you ain't going to get nothing. <laughs> but I went through that. Went to the doctor. Everything's going great with that. I'm a work in progress. I'm trying to figure things out. I've been told I got to do better with stress, and I'm trying. I'm just high strung sometimes. I'm trying. I've got heredity and genetics working against me. <laughs> you know, and we're taking a lot of medicine now. I've got one of those things now that's afternoon and morning pills, and it's seven days a week. Never thought I'd have one at 53, but I do now. So, my thing is, it's not woe is me. It is, I want to tell people the Lord took care of me. He's delivered me through every bit of that. He needs to, here's the thing. People around you need to hear you. And God needs to hear you praising him on the healing that he has done for you. It's the highs and the lows, but listen to this. Oh Lord, thou hast brought up my soul from the grave. Thou hast kept me alive that I should not go down to the pit. Sing unto the Lord, O ye saints of his, and give thanks at the remembrance of his holiness. We need to be singing. We need to be thanking him. How quick are we when we're in need of something do you go to the Lord? How quick are you there? Let me tell you about me. I am needy. <laughs> I am. I am needy. But I want to tell you, I, just like you, I've got immediate access with my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He is my divine and your divine intercessor. He's seated at the right hand of the majesty on high, and he ever liveth to make intercession for us. And that's how we go boldly unto the throne of grace. It tells us in Hebrews chapter 4 at the end of that chapter. The reason why is, is because we've got a Savior who's in tune with us and knows about every affliction that you've got going on. Mentally, physically, spiritually that you've got going on. What a blessing it is. Jesus Christ says in Matthew 6 and 8, he tells his disciples there, our Heavenly Father knows what we need before we ever go to him and we ask. But what a privilege it is to go to our Heavenly Father and pray to him. He knows what you need. He knows what you're going through. But you have the blessing of going to him in prayer. The scoffer goes, well, if he already knows what you need, why go to him in prayer? Because it's a privilege. And that is how you communicate and you fellowship with your heavenly father. Yes, you do it in the house of the Lord. Submit yourselves therefore unto God, James says. You submit yourselves in reading, studying, 
meditating, those are three different things, in going to church, in fellowshipping, in prayer, going to your heavenly father, communicating with him. When was the last time he heard from you? When was the last time he heard from you? Man, we are quit with these phones now, aren't we? We are connected. I'm so connected, I want to get disconnected. I'm saying that with a smile, but I'm really meaning it. I want to get disconnected. What happened to the time where that, you know, a, a cell phone used to be a call out for help? Remember when it was bag phones and it cost like $8,000 to make a phone call? <laughs> you didn't just chit chat and go, well, what kind of milk do you want me to bring home, honey? Skin milk or vitamin D milk or 1%? Or, you didn't have all those conversations. Because it was $8,000 for a phone call to make. And we're so connected now with text and email. And yes, all of those things are great technology if they're used the right and proper way. But boy, what a blessing that we have. That we're able to go immediate access with our Heavenly Father. And as quick as we've gone to Him and we ask for help, have we gone back to Him with that kind of diligence and He's heard thankfulness from us. Thank you. Let me tell you, when I got the phone call about dealing with prostate cancer, the Lord heard from me a lot. A lot. Lord, I blessed me with incredible peace. The Lord blessed me to know you're going to be fine. I'm with you. But he heard from me. And when I get the good news, he hears from me too because I promised him. And when I stand before God's people, I don't care if it gets to be ad nauseum. You're going to hear me praise God and thank him for his wonderful blessings upon me personally. He needs to hear us singing praise to him. David says, verse 5, For his anger endureth but a moment, and his favor is life. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. Weeping to me is sad, and joy means glad, and normally they're not together except with some of you sisters that we can't figure out, okay? We love y'all, but we can't figure you out, all right? I've had my wife before. Um, I, I, I just cannot, a sister crying, whether it's my wife, my daughter, just a female crying, I can't deal with it, you know? <laughs> Men try to fix things. I go, what are they crying about? Our first date, Becky and I went on. She's sobbing, crying. I don't have a handkerchief, tissue, nothing. She's just sobbing. I mean, just a crying. I'm going, I don't know. I'm scared to death, though. That's Brother Lonnie Sr.'s daughter. His head gets red when he preaches. Man, I'm just going to let her cry. You know, I'm just going to let her go. There's been times before that I've seen her crying at a movie, and I look at her now, and I go, what's wrong? She goes, I'm just so happy. I go, I can't figure y'all out. We, crying and weeping to me, crying and weeping is sadness, and then gladness has to do with joy. He says, for his anger endureth but a moment, and his favor is life. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. God restores. He restores. Does a blessing of eternal picture with that also. Let me tell you, we may have some weeping time right now, but I want to tell you when joy's going to hit. Joy's going to hit on a glorious day when our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ steps out of the portals of glory and he steps forth to bring his blood washed 
throng home to glory with him. He's not sending Gabriel. He's not sending Michael. He's not sending any angel. He's coming back himself to get what he bought and paid for. And one glorious day, all of the weeping's going to go away and it's going to be nothing but joy. The last tear's going to be wiped from your face clean, never to cry no more. Isn't that glorious to think about? But while we're here, there's going to be some tear time. There's going to be some time. There's going to be some of that bitter sweetness. We're going to have loved ones that have been a benchmark in our life that the Lord has loaned to us that we're going to say goodbye. Uh-uh. Saying goodbye. Jesus Christ bought and paid for us, and Jesus Christ is a resurrected Savior. It ain't goodbye. It's I'll see you later to our loved ones who go on home to be with the Lord. God, thank you for allowing our paths to cross. And my dear brother, my dear sister, mom, dad, whoever it may be, I'll see you later because of what my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ did for us at Calvary. We may have some weeping time here. We may have the bitterness that we have to deal with of the sting of death. Death stings here, but it's going to lose its sting on that resurrection day. That wall sting, you ever open up a gate on the farm and one of them big old red orange walls pops you? Man, it hurts. <laughs> it hurts. And it hurts for a while, but eventually it goes away. Let me tell you, death sting goes away on resurrection day when we go to meet our Lord in the air. Well, that joy and that weeping, it says here that it uh, may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. Do you know when you need to start getting ready for church? Not 30 minutes before church. That's a tough thing to do. I'm not talking about getting your clothes on and stuff like that. Get all that figured out on your own time. I'm talking about getting ready for church. Have you been praying for Brother Ben on this upcoming Sunday? If you hadn't, you need to start getting ready for church. Do you know when you get ready for church? When do you get ready for work? If you think that your day is the morning and the evening and that's your day, let's get on God's calendar. Go back to the creation with me real quick. This ain't going to cost you nothing. Here, let's get there. In the creation, this is what happened. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness, and God called the light day, and the darkness he called night, and the evening and the morning were the first day. What? And the evening and the morning were the first day. Do you know when you need to start getting ready for Tuesday? You're doing it now. (laughs) You're doing it now. You're getting ready for Tuesday right now. What a way. In the house of the Lord. You've been singing praises unto him. We have this fellowship together with the saints that you're getting ready. Now, you got work stuff you've got to do, but this is what you do. Trust me, I've done things a lot of, a lot of ways, wrong ways. This is a right way. Get you a verse of Scripture at night before you go to bed and you read. Read your verse of Scripture. Pray before you go to bed. Let the Lord hear from you and you pray to him. Talk about your day. To the Lord. And then ask him to help you with the things that you're trying to get organized in your mind for the next day. 
And you know what? You're going to go to bed, you're going to sleep on, and the Lord's going to help you get all those things organized in your mind, and you're going to take off, and you're going to be ready for the next morning. And then when you, before your feet, get off, out from under them warm little covers, before you go, well, nobody talked to me before I get my coffee. No, nobody talked to you before you have time with your Lord. Go get your coffee, but have time with the Lord. Read, meditate, then get yourself ready and you will get your mind ready to go out into this world. That is how the morning and the evening makes the day. Now we pick up about prosperity and poverty. He says, what profit, verse 9, is there in my blood? Hang on, let's back up. Verse 6, and in my prosperity I said I shall never be moved. Lord, by thy favor thou hast made my mountain to stand strong and thou didst hide thy face and I was troubled. In my prosperity, I said, I shall never be moved. There is a prayer in Proverbs chapter 30 that I want us to go to very quickly to look at. And it's a prayer, it is the only prayer that's found in Proverbs, and it's a prayer about balance. How many of you are waiting for the publisher's clearinghouse to bring that big old cardboard check to your house? Five grand a week or whatever it is that comes there. There are a lot of people that are hanging on, waiting on that. David said, in my prosperity, I said, I shall never be moved. Let me tell you about a man named King Nebuchadnezzar. We don't have time to go there. There was a man by the name of King Nebuchadnezzar. You can read about him in Daniel chapter 4. That's some more of your homework to do. Daniel chapter 4, David has told him, I'm sorry, Daniel has told him King Nebuchadnezzar, this is what it means. In 12 months, you better get your act together, per the Lord. And King Nebuchadnezzar's walking around his kingdom, and he goes, look at all of this that I have done. And while the word was in his mouth, the very thing that the Lord said was going to happen, happens to him. And he finds himself for seven years grazing in a field. He becomes the first beast man. It wasn't Beauty and the Beast. It was King Nebuchadnezzar. He was the first beast man. And he's grazing in the field. The very thing. He's walking around and he's saying, this kingdom and everything that I've built. But when his reason comes back to him, he praises the Most High. He says, this is the one. This is the one that it's all about. This is the one that all the inhabitants of the earth are counted as nothing. And there is none that can stay his hand. This is the one. So we see an example of how arrogant you can get in your prosperity. Do you know why you have not won that publisher clearinghouse check? Because you may not can handle it. You may decide that with you getting that big old check, that you're independent. That you don't need the Lord anymore. I'm a self-made man. Look at me now. I've got eight pairs of shoes instead of two, or whatever your thing would be. Listen to what this prayer of balance in Proverbs chapter 30. This is a prayer that we need to be praying all the time. This is what it says in Proverbs 30. Oager, he says, two things, verse 7, two things have I required of thee, deny me them not before I die. Remove far from me vanity and lies. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food convenient for me. 
lest I be full and deny thee and say, who is the Lord? I'm so full. I'm so full of myself. I'm so full of my prosperity. Who needs the Lord? I've got, I've got it made on easy street. Or lest I be poor and steal and take the name of my God in vain. This is a prayer of balance. It's what I want is balance. Thank you, Lord, for my daily bread. Do you thank him for your daily bread? See, that's a good prayer to have at the end of the day for that daily bread. Now it is the morning and the dancing, it says, in verse 11. Hear, O Lord, and I and have mercy upon me. Lord, be thou my helper. Thou hast turned for me my mourning into dancing. Thou hast put off my sackcloth and girded me with gladness. With this robe of gladness, as we see David dancing before the Ark of the Covenant coming back to Israel, to be in its rightful place, as he is dancing mightily there. We need to think about that, and there needs to be in our life. There needs to be that we're doing the same thing, whether we're in a place of mourning or we're in the place of dancing, that we're saying the same thing. God to you, all the praise, honor, and the glory. You may say to the Lord, I don't understand what I'm going through right now, but I know in your sovereign wisdom that you can help me to understand. And God, you can help to teach me how to glorify you through this. God, help me to lift the banner up because I'm feeling real low right now, God. Lord, you know me and I'm about to tap out. I don't know if I can go much longer, Lord. God, strengthen me by thy might. Then the next thing you know, you're dancing. And praises unto your heavenly Father. You're dancing, whether you're physically dancing or people see it. I've seen people before dancing by the expression on their face. That they're just thankful. That they're just happy. Tell you experience that I had. While I was at their cancer center getting radiation treatments, there was this little lady that, uh, bless her heart, she... Uh, was having to go back through with radiation treatments again, and she was just so frail. And most of the time, she had her head just, they would pull, bring her back, meet her at her car. She drove herself, put her in a wheelchair, and they would roll her back, and she would just have her head down. And there was a day that she wasn't feeling real well. And so I told the girls, I said, let her have my spot to go. Because she was wanting to try to get on home. I heard her telling one of the girls that she has a hard time sometimes driving home. And I went to her. And uh, I said, look, I want you to take my spot. And she get looked at me and she goes, no, baby, you go ahead. I said, no, I, I like this mini skirt that I'm wearing. I, I'm liking this. I said, I, I love standing here in this. Why don't they make those for big men? <laughs> You would think with the technology we've got today that they would go, we should make one of those for big fellas. But anyway, the little sister went on back and she came out after her treatment there. And she looked at me and I want to tell you, the look on her face was dancing. The look on her face was joy. She told me, she goes, thank you for doing that. She goes, I'm glad I got that over with. And she said, will you pray with me? 
And so we held hands and we had a prayer together right there. And um, anyway, it's just, you know, you have people sometimes that they may not physically be getting up and dancing, but you see it by the resemblance of Christ that you see on their face and in their eyes that they have. And so there's time for mourning, there's time for dancing, and it says, To the end that my glory may sing praise to thee and not be silent. O Lord my God, I will give thanks to thee forever. Silence or singing? Which one is it going to be? Are we going to be silent as we go through this life? As we go through, we're on the bottom part. We're in the trough of the wave. Are we going to be silent there? Are we going to be only singing when we're on the crest of the wave? But when things aren't going well, we're just going to be silent about things in this life? Or is it going to be to where, as David says, O Lord, my God. Oh, Lord, you are my God. You are who I worship. You are the one true and living God. You are who I trust. I will give thanks unto thee forever. Where it's in healing or hurt, whether it's in weeping or joy, whether it's in prosperity or poverty, if I'm mourning or if I'm dancing, Lord, I'm not going to be silent. There's going to be singing that comes forth from me. And I want to tell you, Children of God, who's got it better than us? Nobody. There's a football coach that would say that to his players. Who's got it better than us? Well, I want to tell you, saints of God, who have been blessed to understand the blessed truth of sovereign grace that is God's plan of eternal salvation, that his darling son, Jesus Christ, he gave the very best to go in our place and in our stead. And he paid our sin debt in full in Calvary. He procured and he secured our eternal salvation right there. And every heir of promise is born again exactly the same way. That wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh or whether it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit of God. We're all born again exactly the same way, whether you're from Mississippi or Alabama or wherever. We're all born again exactly the same way. Oh, boy. But it gets better than that. And there is nothing that can separate us. Nothing shall separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Sin, Satan, nor self can separate you. Oh, in this life, there's going to be some ups and downs. It's a roller coaster ride. I used to enjoy riding those when I was younger. Last one I rode on, I thought I was going to have to go into traction. <laughs> I looked at Sister Becky and I said, you can ride with the kids from now on. That hurt that time. <laughs> I don't do that anymore. Life is a roller coaster ride. There's going to be some corkscrews and upside downs and some things that are going to go on. But our Lord never leaves us nor forsakes us. He loves us. How much did he love you? He gave the very best he had to die in your place instead. And you're on his mind right now. So as we go through these seasons, whether it's a holiday season, a winter season, a spring season, whatever it is, let it be all about in everything that we say and we do. To dig deep sometimes. God, give me the extra measures of grace that I need to praise you through this. 
Lord, I can't. I'm wore out. I don't have it in me. But Lord, I know you can give me those extra measures of grace. Peter called him the God of all grace for a reason. God bless you is my prayer. Thank you all for having me.